So we've been talking about what it is to be an everyday missionary, what it is to be a person who lives each day of their life uh, as a citizen of the kingdom, um, as an ambassador for the kingdom of Christ in our world. Uh, And this has been a a, a fun uh, experiment to go through. It's been fun to talk about what it looks like to give and to grow and to go into the life that Christ has for us. Today, this uh, journey brings us to uh, the book of 1 Peter. Um, And 1 Peter is a book that I really struggle with um, because Peter is not writing to people like me. um, And the, the teaching he's giving to these people who aren't like me Uh, is radically different from what I would give them. Um, So, uh, Peter, uh, and, you know, we aren't entirely sure if it's uh, Peter who is writing with uh, Sylvanus dictating, or if it's uh, Sylvanus writing in the spirit of Peter uh, sometime later. But this is a letter that is written uh, to the churches in Asia Minor. It is written with the purpose of, (coughs) my apologies, Uh, it's written with the purpose of being able to go from church to church, uh, that each church gets to read it, and and, and it would be an encouragement, uh, and would help them grow together as a church, uh, and be more faithful. Um, What we know about uh, the early church, especially in Asia Minor, is that it's made up primarily uh, of Gentiles, of people who aren't Jewish, um, and it's also made up primarily of people who are slaves. Um, the, the early church in the Far East is primarily slave religion. You see very few landowners. You see very few people of power or prominence. So Peter is writing to uh, this group of non-Jewish slaves living in the cities of uh, you know, Laodicea and Ephesus and, and these different um, you know, cities in, uh, along the eastern edge of the Mediterranean. Um, and he's, he's writing it from Rome. And as we've talked about before, Rome is the center of the known world. Um, all roads lead to Rome. Uh, this, this letter is probably written um, between uh, the time Nero begins persecuting Christians um, and then uh, later in the first century when uh, Domitian uh, makes emperor worship the primary religion of the empire. Um, so it's probably somewhere in that, that, inner, um, that, that period between the two. Um, And and given what what Peter writes to the churches, uh, it seems that there is likely some local trouble that these churches are having um, with the the, the pagans, with the the religion of the area. So this this letter is written uh, for the purpose of instructing the people how to live as a religious minority. How do you live in a way that is faithful to Christ as a religious minority? When the rest of the culture is going a direction that is 
counterintuitive to the gospel, that is counterintuitive to the kingdom, what does it look like to live faithfully in the midst of that culture? And there are a couple things that, that Peter really uh, highlights here, and, and, and it's And these things can really, they can really offend our sensibilities as 21st century North American people. Um, because as 21st century North American people, when we think about service, generally we think about going to somewhere like Jordan's Crossing to serve. You know, it's, uh, service is something that, that from our place of power and privilege, we serve those who are less fortunate, disadvantaged, impoverished, you know, whatever word is your preference. This generally is the way we think about service in the church. We think about who has it worse than we do that we can go and serve them. But the people who Peter is writing this letter to, they are those people. There isn't some, uh, some group that's off worse than they are that they can go serve. They are that group. And still, Peter invites them to a life of service which challenges us, or at least it should. Because Peter takes service out of this uh, category of charity and it becomes a lifestyle. Where we live, work, and play, it changes because of the gospel of Christ. So that Peter uh, says crazy things um, like, uh, you know, in, in chapter 2. Uh, Peter says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. I would never write this. Right? I want a slave revolt. I want Spartacus. Like, this is wrong. Like, stand up for yourselves. Fight back. But Peter is describing a life of service that's counterintuitive to me and in, in my 21st century worldview. But we see in our text for today, in, in verse 7, Peter says, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. For if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. For Peter, the Christian life is marked by service. And it's a service that is self-emptying. 
Peter is, is drawing on the early church tradition um, that we see uh, preserved for us in the book of Philippians in the Christ hymn. Um, that uh, Paul writes to the Philippian church and uh, reminds them of a hymn that's being sung in churches throughout, uh, throughout the, the, the empire. He says, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a slave being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So oftentimes when, when we think about service, our immediate thought is, what is the excess that we have that we can trim off and use to make a difference in the life of, life of someone who doesn't have? But Peter, in, in, in his teaching of the early church tradition, it, it goes a step beyond that. It is to the point of, of we deny ourselves in order to bless whoever's around us, whether we feel like they're worthy or not. Which, again, really offends my 21st century sensibilities. Because we, we do that calculus, right? You know, when, when, when a need arises, when we hear about an opportunity to give, when we hear about an opportunity to serve, uh, we begin doing that math in our head. And we say, is this person worthy of my charity? Is this person bad enough off that they're going to receive uh, the blessing bag that I made on Consecration Sunday? Or will I hold that off until, until I see someone who I think is worse off? I mean, does anyone else do this or is it just me? Like, I'm, 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 I'm hoping I'm not, you know, just revealing that I'm a more miserable person than the rest of you. But I mean, we, we, we do this, I think, at least I do it. But the teaching of, of Paul to the Philippian church, the teaching of, of Peter to, you know, these churches in Asia Minor, I mean, what, what seems to be pretty much established is the teaching of the early church is that it's not right to try and decide who's worthy of care or not. Because the reality is everyone is. The reality is that, that we are... Uh, we are called to not doing little bits of service, but living a life that is marked by service. Uh, I was um, reading on, on Twitter today, uh, and Scott Sauls, who's a Presbyterian pastor uh, down in Nashville, um, he was saying, if you're a part of Bible studies but you can't remember the last person who you served, you're probably spiritually constipated. 
I thought that was a really interesting way to talk about it, right? Like, like to, to fill ourselves with the good news of Jesus and it never go back out in a blessing to someone else leads to a sense of spiritual constipation. It leads to a sense of, of living an imbalanced life where, where we aren't experiencing the fullness of God's kingdom. The other thing that we see Peter say, excuse me, uh, here in chapter 4, is um, along the same lines, you know, 1 Peter chapter 4 and Philippians chapter 2, they are uh, so similar, um, it, it's, it's remarkable. Um, but the other thing he says here in chapter 4 is he, he fleshes out more this idea of what it looks like to suffer for Christ. Of, of what it looks like to live in a way for Jesus that makes you different and makes those people around you say, you're different and you're weird and I don't think I like you anymore. Peter writes that since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. And now they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, but they heap abuse upon you. And picking back up in, in, at verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, for inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. Suffering for Christ is temporary, but God's justice means that those who suffer with Christ become sharers in his glory. You know, I, I think about the times in my life when I have not lived in a distinctly Christian way. When I have uh, failed to uh, pray with someone, um, even though the Spirit has pulled at my heart and said, this is someone who needs to be prayed for. Um, when I have failed to share the hope that I've been given. And time and time again, it comes back to this fear that they're going to think I'm weird they're going to think I'm some sort of Bible-thumping nutcase, that they won't want to be my friend anymore. But the teaching of, of, of this text is that whatever suffering we experience in the here and now will be surpassed by the glory that we experience in the, in the fullness of Christ's kingdom. That it's worth it. It's, it's, it's worth taking the risk of being thought of as weird. It's worth uh, taking the risk of someone uh, maybe not wanting to uh, be as closely related to you. But this is hard. All of this is hard. And I think what's hardest um, from our you know, 21st century North American perspective is this idea that, that the gospel way 
is about deferring and submitting in things that, that are not primary to the gospel. Because we like to be right. I like to be right. You would like to be right, but I'm right, so you can't be right. That must be a bummer for you. Unless you agree with me, then we're right together, and hey, life is good. But we see Peter telling, instead of telling slaves to revolt against their masters, instead to work hard and work humbly, even if your master's a jerk. Uh, we, see, we see Peter telling wives of unbelieving husbands not to, you know, leave them or berate them, but to be humble and kind and submissive in the hopes that they would come to know the glory of God. And this teaching makes my skin crawl. Right? Because I want an egalitarian society. I want a fair society. I, 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 I am not interested in deferring to the jerks. Like we, we stand up to jerks. We tell them they're jerks. And then we kick them out of power and put someone in who's probably also a jerk, but a jerk I like more. We want justice. We want Peter to tell the slaves to rise up against their masters, especially the wicked ones. But Peter reframes the end game. I think part of it is that um, subconsciously we have a tendency towards naturalism. We have a tendency towards what we see and what we feel and, and what we can, you know, sink our, our, our fingers into. That is what is really real. And Peter challenges this. He's, he is trying to open his reader's eyes up to a more eternal perspective. That what happens in the here and now is important, but it is, it is a drop in eternity. You know, telling Sideshow Bob from Kansas on Twitter that they're, you know, a knucklehead might feel really good right now, but it, like, it does nothing to, to create a Christ-like character within us. So it's hard. <clears throat> what Peter is teaching us here is hard. Don't think we should fall into the trap of saying, well, since Peter is telling us not to, not to revolt against our, the slave master, that you know, slavery is okay. Because I don't think that's what's going on here. And I do think when we look at the wider teaching of Scripture, it is clear that what privilege we've been born into, we should use to benefit others. 
But I think where Peter challenges our assumptions is thinking about how we use our privilege to benefit ourselves. When we use our privilege, when we use the power that we have found ourselves having to fight his fights, there's value there. When we use our gifts to bless others and make their life better, whether we think they are worthy or not. But I think this passage, and we think about what it is to respond faithfully to this text and this teaching, it forces us to think really hard about the fights that we get in. Are we fighting to to get our way? Or are we fighting to get God's way? Because if we're fighting over our way as opposed to someone else's way, getting our way is not going to produce Christian character. But if what we are fighting for is to preserve God's way within us, then that's totally different. When we are when we are fighting against the urge to be like the rest of the world, to practice greed and malice and tribalism, the very act of fighting creates Christian character within us. But when we are simply fighting over our way as opposed to our spouse's, or our siblings, or our co-workers, or Sideshow Bob in Kansas on Twitter. The very act of fighting will get in the way of developing Christian character. So Peter challenges us to be more mindful of the struggles that we <clears throat> Commit to. To truly weigh out whether it is of God or it's simply our preference. May we put on the same character that was in Christ. That we do not consider the gifts that we've been given as something that we are to use to our own advantage but rather that we would become slaves for Christ. That we would put on that same attitude that Jesus had, that he became a slave for us. And that as we suffer for Christ, we would be filled with the knowledge that our suffering will be repaid in glory. Let's pray.